Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that vi the video that was like, how dare you Gen Zers? Millennials took so many hits for you. We didn't have eyebrows. We overplucked our eyebrows so you could have all the eyebrows. <laughs> Welcome to the Asian Sewist Collective podcast. The Asian Sewist Collective is a group of Asian people from around the world brought together by our shared appreciation for fiber and textile arts and our desire to see more Asian representation in the sewing community. In this podcast, we explore the intersection of our identities and our shared sewing practice as we create a space for Asian sewists and our allies. I'm your co-host Ada Chen and I'm recording from Denver, Colorado. Denver is the traditional territory of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. I'm a Taiwanese-American marketer turned entrepreneur, and these days you'll find me running my all-natural skincare business called Chuan's Promise, that's C-H-U-A-N apostrophe S, Promise, and sharing my marketing tips on my blog. Most importantly for this podcast, you can find my sewing at i.hope.sew on Instagram. And I'm your co-host, Nicole. I'm based outside of Chicago, the original homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Ojibwe, the Potawatomi, and the Odawa people. I'm a Philippine-American woman a lawyer by day, and a sewing enthusiast the rest of the time. You can find me on Instagram at Nicole Angeline Sews. Before we dive into this week's episode, Nicole, can you tell us about your current sewing project? Yes, I can. I am doing another pattern test after I said I wasn't going to do them. <laughs> um, I, I stopped doing pattern tests because I was like, oh, it's too much pressure. Turns out I need the pressure to keep sewing. <laughs> so, but I am actually very excited. I am working on the low waist anorak test from the designer, the sew, sew, S-E-W, S-E-W. And it is a, originally it was marketed as zero waste, but she's converted it to low waste. But so far it seems like there's just going to be like a couple tiny scraps, which fair, fair enough. But there's some really neat design things and creative ways to use some of the scraps. For example, you know, part of the neck cutout gets used as a zipper guard in the front, which I had never put together. Uh, you and I talked about this though, and I was going to go with a very practical canvas jacket. It was going to be pretty straightforward, utilitarian, perfect for going to Colorado. And then one day I was like, now nah, let's do something wild. <laughs> and so uh, do you remember the turno jacket that I made for New York Frocktails in October? Was it the Silk Mikado? Yes. Yeah. So I'm making a silk Mikado anorak instead. Fancy. So fancy. <laughs> it I'm feels more it. me. Feels more me. So I will be making the crop version and it's due in a couple days and so I've just been chipping away at it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped about this one and looking forward to wearing it more uh, or when it's done, really. What about you, Ada? What are you working on? I mean, I love using a nice fabric for a low waist pattern because then you kind of get like the full value out of the fabric. Yeah. And the, uh, we just, the episode with Ames where she says, cut the good fabric, cut the nice fabric. And I know there was a little bit of chatter about that on Instagram as well. After the episode came out, I'm like, I'm gonna cut the nice fabric. So nice. And it's because it's zero waste. It's box seats are a ton of ease unless I really mess something up, which I have before on zero waste patterns. When I sewed the sleeve to the side instead of to itself. Did I tell you I had that happened twice? Oh, you told me about the first time and you were like very pissed. It happened the exact same way a second time. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we can talk about it later, but it was, uh, 
It was, it was a thing. I can wear it now, though, so that's good. But anyway, enough about me. What are you working on? I listeners will be unsurprised that I'm making another pair of Elizabeth Suzanne Clyde pants, but this time in black linen. I've made them in black cotton canvas before, and I actually ended up picking apart that project. Um, and actually, the other pair that I had made in uh, the black or not black canvas, like a khaki colored canvas. Mm -hmm. Uh, just because they felt really stiff and heavy. And I thought that the linen pair I'd made, I think last summer wore a lot better and they're kind of my like all weather pants, except for when it's snowing. So felt a little bit overdue. And I was very proud of myself for shortening the pocket bag because we were talking about pockets in our warm up, mm -hmm. and the side pockets on the pattern are actually quite deep. And I was running a little, little low on fabric. So I decided to just make the pocket bags like two inches shorter so that I could squeeze them in. And I think it will be fine. Okay. I mean, those sound like very Ada pants. They are very, very Ada pants. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, today we are introducing the collective. You know very well myself and ada you've had four seasons of listening to our voices by now but we are an entire team that produces this podcast so we want to share some of their voices with you and uh, hope you love hearing from them as much as we love working with them can everyone introduce themselves hi my name is serena she her my instagram handle is dress like an onion my father is from India, my mother is from the Seychelles, and I live in Western Canada. I'm mostly a rough editor on the podcast and a big brat on all the Slack chats. And right now I am cutting out the Clyde pants, just the paper pattern so far. I haven't even picked a fabric, but I might be, might be knocking on your door there, Ada. And I'm Mariko. So my handle is at troubleshooting stitcher, pronoun she, her, Japanese father, Cantonese mother. I'm based in Orange County, California, and I also do a bunch of things on the podcast, but mostly produce, working on four things right now, an Emerson pullover by Vivian Xiaochen, Zakuri's cardigan by Noriko Ichikawa, a Coria bag by Hans Deli, and then last but not least, a zero waste stash bag by Baggins. I am Shailin. My Instagram handle is Shailin Sows, S H I L Y N S E W S. I go by she, her. I am a 1.5 generation Filipino American, and I am based in Central Florida. On the podcast, I usually do producing or sometimes I do rough edits and currently I am working on the Kona and Lanai bra patterns from wireless bra patterns from Lilypad Designs this is my first time so hi I'm Koss uh, my Instagram handle is with of without eyes I use they them pronouns I am of Cambodian descent my for people who speak Cambodian I live in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I do a mixed bag for the podcast because last season I was guest and researcher. And this season I am producer. I produced this episode and I also help with social media. I am right now working 
on uh, ZD jumpsuits, color blocked. So it's going to be very fun. Let's see if I wear it when I finish it. Hi, I'm Esther. I use she, her pronouns. I am an Asian American with roots in Hong Kong, and I'm currently living in Virginia. Uh, and uh, for the pod, I am a producer for the pod. You can find me on Instagram at Esther Makes Adventures. Hi, I'm Cindy, and I go by Cation Designs on Instagram. Uh, my pronouns are she and her, and I am of Chinese descent. I currently live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and right now I'm working on a Hanfu top, so going to be part of a larger project for a Asian-inspired fairy tale. So the way that this episode will work is that Nicole and I will ask a few questions and a few members of the collective will be answering each time. So first of all, we're going to start by asking, how would you describe your style? If you can't tell from Nicole's earlier comment, my style is very, I would say, laid back, borderline preppy, very basic, tends to gravitate towards a lot of linens and wovens. And in the winter, I like a lot of knits that I do not make, (laughs) that I purchase. Um, Big sweaters, chunky knits, that kind of stuff. I stick to a pretty neutral palette. And I do own a lot of black. And I will, until I die, claim that is because I spent a lot of time in New York growing up. So I'm going to turn it over to Serena to describe your style. I think I would describe my style as layers and sometimes vintage and lots of knits. But then when I walk into my closet, none of that seems to translate. So I'm, I'm not sure. Basically, <laughs> it's what I've, what I've got there and what, what I grab first. Mariko? I think my wardrobe is probably similar to yours, Ada. Very practical. I made a bunch of roughly poofy things, dresses and blouses when I first started sewing and those are gathering dust. I do not have that much black and I thought I used to like it more because you live in a city, you're always wearing black. But a lot of neutrals for me and a lot of yellows, as you can see in my background, and um, earthy colors are my jam right now. Shailen, round us out. Okay, so <laughs> I would describe my style as heavily influenced by the 50s like era because I like a lot of cinched waists and big skirts. It kind of changed to like a little bit flowier so when I moved to Florida and a lot of my wardrobe switched from like a lot of, um, I used to do a lot of poly cotton like blends but now I do like purely cotton purely linen because of the Florida weather which is biting me in the butt right now because we keep getting these cold fronts and I have thrown out all of my warm fuzzy things so yeah Um, I generally like layers but it's not something that's normal anymore Can I just comment that, Serena, I think I only just realized how your Instagram handle correlates to your style. (laughs) Can you you uh, explain for our listeners, dress like an onion? Um, Okay. Um, Well, well, layers, right? That's all. Um, In in art school, one morning, uh, I went to art school for a little while. 
and we did some drawing outside. Now I live in Canada, so that meant cold, but the instructor said, okay, everybody bring your, you know, your pens and your notebooks and your camera and your lunch and dress like an onion. And that was 20 years ago, but it kind of stuck in my head, but it makes sense, right? Dress like an onion. Cause it could be hot or it could, we live by the mountains. It could be boiling. It could be freezing. I am terrible at layering. I might take that comment as like, so I can wear stinky clothes. Is this what we're talking about? (laughs) You have a tank and then you have a little cardigan and then you have your jacket or I don't know. There's so many, so many people I follow on Instagram that have all the pretty layers in different patterns. And they all look good together. That's not how my closet looks, but I look at them and I think, yeah, I can do that. I could put everything together, but yeah. It was the first thing that you said was layer. Sounds like, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, onion. Love Aspirational. it. Yep. <laughs> so Serena, you and Mariko are not exclusively sewists. So can you describe your fiber art and why you enjoy it? I'm a knitter. I'm a knitting tech editor. Um, it, it's such a weird question. Cause I think, do I do it because I enjoy it or do I do it just because I do it? Like I can't, I don't know. Could I stop doing it? I don't know. I think I like keeping my hands busy. I like how it feels and I am a process knitter, so I, I have no problem ripping it out and starting again. So maybe it's just actually a literal security blanket. Maybe. Respect. Ada, your eyes got really big when when you said, I could just rip it in, out and start all over yeah. again. You know what? I have a partner who plays video games and I don't like video games, but if you got to sit there for like five hours, you could just <laughs> sit there with 10 bags of chips and stare at the video game or you can knit next to them. I think that's probably how it really started. What about you, Mariko? I'm just making a face because I love video games and knitting. So I have to alternate both while my partner is playing. Um, <laughs> so I also knit. I named two knitting patterns earlier. And um, I just started off wanting to have something to do while I was traveling. And I hate hand sewing. My hands are not nimble, even though I know Ada, Nicole, both of you do it to some degree. And um, I... Uh, You know, back in my previous lifetime when I was in tech, I was constantly in meetings where I had to really sit and listen and really focus and keeping my hands busy while I do that is so much easier than me trying to focus on a screen for hours on end. Like it looks like I'm not paying attention, but really I'm listening to absolutely everything that's going on. Serena and Mariko are my personal knitting helpers after we did that knitting episode and as you both know, I don't like frogging things or seam ripping for that, you know, to that end. But for our listeners, can you just, can you tell us what frogging means? And by for our listeners, I mean me too. Oh, it's like the equivalent of seam ripping. Like you just undo all of it or part of it. Absolutely painful. (laughs) The theory is the sound it makes is ribbit, 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 ribbit. That makes it a little more adorable. For a non-knitter, I think, <laughs> to, to call it frogging. I don't know, Nicole. I'm not frogging the hat that I'm making you so. What happened to my hat? It's still in progress. I've made no progress on it since the last time we chatted about it. But instead, I will turn the conversation to you and ask, 
Do you think your heritage influences your sewing practice? And if so, how? I know I've addressed this on the podcast before. I think there's a direct thread, pun not intended, but very intended, uh, between my practice and my heritage and that it has allowed me to dive a little bit deeper in those certain aspects of, you know, Philippine culture, like the colonial, pre-colonial history, learning more about, you know, uh, what, how fashion evolved, uh, which we cover a little bit this season. And it also has just, I guess another way that is perhaps it might seem tangential is that it's changed the way that I see myself as, as like a person, as like my body. I think growing up as someone who is, was taller and girthier than other, you know, Filipino women around me. It was just something that I thought was a de- like a defect, you know? So sewing has in a way turned everything into just measurements and set aside that sort of, I don't fit in feeling. And I don't know if that relates to my heritage, but it's something that has contributed to the way that I see myself and my place in the Philippine diaspora. So I know, uh, <laughs> You all have heard me talk about Shailin when I talk a lot about my Philippine culture and, and how I've gotten to learn a little bit more about it through sewing. So Shailin, how does your heritage influence your sewing practice? So surprisingly, I did not actually look to my Filipino background for a long time when I started sewing. I started sewing because I wanted to do like Lolita style and like all these crazy things I saw online. And then it just ended up not being my style anyway. But going back to Filipino culture, I actually found the Nicole, you said this in the in the Turno episode, you had seen it as gaudy. Your your grandparents and your aunties, you saw the Turno and you were like, I don't really want to wear that. So that's how I felt. And I was like, I don't really want to make that. And it wasn't until like a couple years ago my grandfather passed away. And I felt like I lost something like huge in my culture because my grandmother passed away when I was first learning how to sew. And she was one of the first people that kind of told me to keep going and keep learning how to sew. And when she passed away, I stopped. So I picked it back up again and I started getting closer to my grandfather and he passed away. And I was like, what do I do now? I have to learn everything about my culture because it's like the eldest person in my family is gone. So I got into the Filipino mythology, got into the tattoos, which I ended up getting a tattoo. But anyway, the tattoo motif, like all of the symbolism in tattoos led me to the embroidery and, and weaving of like the hand woven designs and the weaving and the embroidery of like the barongs. And that eventually brought me back to sewing because I started collecting all of these fabrics and books. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. This is my culture. And then I finally was like, all right, I think I'm ready to learn how to make the butterfly sleeve. And then that's how me and Nicole met when I like put it out there, like, look what I learned throughout the years. Like, this is so cool. Um, I don't want to say that I fully integrated all of that into my sewing, but I do think that a lot of the processes of like seeing how meticulous the hand weaving is and all the embroidery that's done 
has made me rethink what I do as a sewist. Cause I used to do a lot of one-offs. I used to make like, you know, like 31 days of Halloween and 25 days of Christmas. And like, that's not what I do anymore because I realized that didn't really make sense. It's not something I can wear throughout the year. And there are these people that are like hand weaving all of these beautiful designs and it takes them months. So now I just try to make sure that everything I sew is something that I can wear in my wardrobe more often. And I think that that's my first, like that's the biggest thing I've taken from it. It's like honoring the the labor that is put into this part of your, uh, that aspect of your culture and making sure that you are using it as intended as often as possible, as opposed to just a throwaway. I think that's really neat. Um, it didn't used to, but it definitely has now. Um, in pretty much the last two and a half, three, three years now, um, since the pandemic started, I think I've been leaning more into uh, exploring my heritage through my sewing with um, primarily I do cosplay. So trying to do an Asian spin on a lot of my cosplay stuff. So, you know, reinterpreting The Little Mermaid, but with a historical Chinese twist or taking sort of uh, more American pop culture icons like Wonder Woman or Loki and then turning them into like, well, what if they were, again, with a historical Chinese twist? So um, doing a lot of reimagining of popular characters and then also just working on making my own historical clothing, but not European historical clothing, you know, Chinese historical clothing uh, that doesn't have a tie to American pop culture. And one thing that I want to ask Ada is, do you have a favorite sewing tool? Because I don't know if I have one. I'll have to think about it while you're answering. I had to think about this, and I think it's going to be snips. Because I, I, my snips are like an old pair. I thrifted them. I think they were like $2. They're the kind that like you squeeze, mm-hmm. and they kind of just like retract, or not retract, but like bring the two blades together. A little mm-hmm. bit dangerous, but I use them not only to snip threads, but also to like stab buttonholes, for example, in a looser weave. They're pretty sharp. Uh, they are always, I try to always keep them like to the right hung up next to my sewing machine. So they're always handy. And I find that I always kind of reach for them. So yeah. Do you have any, have you come up with one yet? <laughs> so I, I, the one that I thought of is, the first one that made me smile. So we'll go with this. And it's actually not related to my machine sewing practice. It's related to my hand sewing practice as such as it is. I typically only hand sew when the pattern calls for it. And it's like, I want a super clean finish because the truth is, is I'm just going to run it through my machine if I can. Um, I have this needle minder that I believe is intended for embroiderers and cross stitchers to put on their hoop once they're uh, finished so that it will um it's a, it's magnetized so that you could they can ha- store your needle and it is a heart-shaped needle minder it's a lighter pink color and the it says fabric slut <laughs> i love it so that might be my favorite because it does make me laugh and how i use it is and this is really when you really need something like this is if I'm on an, if I'm traveling and I'm on an airplane, 
I'll wear it. I like to cover my legs and my arms on an airplane. Like I just don't want my skin touching anything. <laughs> I don't know if that's weird, but I will, I will clip it onto my cuff or whatever is like near where my watch is so that I can sew and then just stick it there. If I need to grab a nice beverage from the attendant, <laughs> like, you know, so it stays in one place instead of, can you imagine if you dropped a needle on an airplane? Like you're not getting that back. I wouldn't want it back. No, I wouldn't want it back. <laughs> But I've also like dropped a needle on my couch and been like, oh my God, and then had to go find my magnetic wand. So that does sound like a very practical tool. You need yourself one of them fabric slut uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, needle minders. And I don't even think I bought it knowing what I would do with it. I just thought it was so funny. I think, I don't know, I like the use of the word slut in a way that's not like derived, not negative. You know, it's just one of those things. It's a word that for me is reclaimed like reclaimed reclaiming no, um, but that that i think might be my favorite tool on the topic of favorites we are going to go through our favorite episodes at least maybe for the last like two seasons i know we've done a bunch at this point i think we're up to the 40s so almost 50 episodes wow. we're gonna start with esther and then go to nicole my favorite season three episode I think I'm biased because I actually produced the vintage sewing machine episodes. Um, but if we're choosing something that I did not produce, I really like color palette and theories because I've always struggled with trying to figure out the right color palette for myself. And quite honestly, it still is a struggle today that I'm trying to figure out. So I can't answer this question. <laughs> I'm on I'm on every single episode. I'm not really sure. I think I don't want to pick an interview because I, I have I had a great time speaking to every single person. So I think one of the ones I really loved was imposter syndrome because you can hear me having live revelations during the, <laughs> during the recording of the podcast. And it's also an episode that I have sent to a lot of my friends. Um, once I started discussing uh, learning, you know, more about the idea that or the notion that imposter syndrome is not solely something that's in your head, but is also, you know, systemic issues help contribute to that feeling within yourself. And I was like, what? That's amazing. And so I've sent multiple of my friends, my work friends, um, my podcast episodes. And what do you know? They come back and say, oh, I listened to it. It was so good. And some of them have listened to other episodes now. So it's it's an episode that's special to me because of the personal growth that occurred during it. Again, you can probably even hear the gears <laughs> turning in my head during that episode. Um, but it also is something that I've really been able to share well beyond the my sewing community and into people who don't sew and they still, you know, really take something away from it and enjoyed it. And it's a gateway to other episodes, it seems. Koss, what about you? Um, I do really like the episode Nicole just mentioned because at the time I was just a listener and it really clicked with me as well. And then and then I started volunteering for the podcast. Um, my favorite episode, and it's one that Esther also mentioned, and I'm super biased because I was a researcher, is the Call of Palette ones because it's um, the research is the work I've done on several years like it's it's not a phd of anything it's something that i like peek on from time to time <laughs> 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 but it's like 
yeah, the this it's so interesting color palettes because it's obviously super whitewashed, and I always wonder how it applied to people of colors. And I've done this research for myself, and I was just so proud when the episode came out that like other people could relate to it. And every time I talk about it on my Instagram page, I always have people who answer to my stories. I just I just love it. I was just so proud when it came out. And I remember, fun fact, I was, when it came out, I was listening to it. And my partner was like, I don't know, in the corridor passing. And he was like, oh my God, it's on color palette. It's like the episode for you. You must be so happy. And I was like, yeah, I wrote it with Mariko. Like it's literally <laughs> the episode by me. <laughs> I mean, that was a really great episode, I think. I remember when recording that and reviewing it, I was like, I kind of just do whatever, you know, like I hadn't really thought about color palettes. I think that was the the episode where I was like, I mix metals. I don't care. I look good in everything. <laughs> I think that's yes, the episode. <laughs> that is the episode. Still true. <laughs> I pushed so hard for this quote to be one of our labels. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe round two. Round two, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, so uh, I learned a lot. And and I actually ended up buying something, a color wheel, a color wheel keychain where you can like spit it and it'll show you, you know, the ones that are complimentary, the ones that are um, analogous. Just because it was fun. It was not really because I do sometimes look up colors and think about them. Most of the time I'm just like, do I like it? Great. But I know that color palettes is something that a lot of sewists and a lot of the folks in our collective, you know, use and consider. So Serena, do you use a color palette? And if so, you know, can you describe your color palette? Um, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned those two episodes, actually, because I was, I am a designer, an interior designer. Everyone wears black and I've never, ever, ever felt comfortable wearing black. In my life, I always thought it made me look too dark because I had lots of black hair and then black by my face. And there was this like message in my head, you're too dark to wear black. So um, do I use color palette? Yes. Um, I tend to buy yarn in the same pinky, beigey, beautiful, speckly shades. And then I buy fabric that's basically the same kind of beautiful light springy and it never makes its way into my wardrobe but it sits in the closet um so do i use it yes do i end up using the fabric and the yarn no it's too pretty to use your stash is beautiful it's gorgeous i'll never wear it I'm sorry i'll try i'll try and 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 now i can actually say I'm too old to knit with black yarn so that's never going to happen because you can't see the stitches at nighttime. you can only knit with black yarn during the day when you are my age I was gonna say like oh you're not too old to wear black and oh it's a psych it I'm, I probably couldn't I probably can't <laughs> with black net, like black yarn let me tell you I have an astigmatism and driving at night yesterday I was like hmm, probably shouldn't be doing this for too much longer <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Uh, <laughs> How about you, Mariko? Do you use a color palette? Before I answer that, Serena, you got to get those booby lights. I think uh, they're colloquial, colloquially I need, known I, on I, Instagram. I, I do not need more craft tools, Mariko. I really, really do not. 
technically you can use them as a reading light. No. Mm. No. (laughs) I'm trying to make it as a single function tool for you. What kind of little batteries are going to be in there that I'll throw away? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Or plug it in? Can you imagine having to charge your boob light? No. It's not (laughs) I have no idea what this boob light is, but I will find out soon. (laughs) Marika will tell you. They're great. Yeah, they're great for sewing, anything where you need a point extra light in your direction. I think people call them booby lights because they hang kind of close to your boobies, depending on how high or how low they sit on you. Do um, they go around <laughs> your neck? Yeah. Is that what it is? Neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> As Ada is gesturing right now on camera. <laughs> Interesting. Um, color palette. I think I drift towards a lot of neutrals just because I'm quite lazy when it comes to coordinating my wardrobe. It's easier when it all matches. And I think that was like the one thing I kept getting drawn to when I was getting into sewing. I'd see people's outfits on Instagram and it was always like, oh, look at this nice earthy brown. Sedona, I think is sometimes called or I I can't think of anything. Cactus is another. I have, however, incorporated a lot of yellow as of late. And I can tell you definitely growing up, I never had any yellow. I was always told, and this is funnily enough, like even in an Asian society, you're still somehow getting this message where if you're yellow and you wear yellow, it's going to make you look even more sallow. So um, when I produced that color palette episode and both of you were talking about Things like makeup palettes that are for brown eyes, or Ada, you talked about your wedding dress and how certain colors actually make you pop more than just pure white. And I think as producing while producing that episode, I was like, hell yeah, what's wrong with me wearing yellow? Plus, there are so many shades of yellow. We've as I remember Koss's research saying there's cold yellow and there's warm yellow. And um to that point, I think that episode as well really validated it for me that you know you pretty much wear what you like. If someone does tell you that you look ill, you look like you should be buried in something. Pardon my language, but they can fuck right off. <laughs> yes. Here for it. <laughs> okay. All right. And we will wrap it up with Cindy and then Koss. Generally for myself, I like the colors black and red and then with metallic pops, so like silver or gold. Recently, though, I've been trying to work with more colors than just black and red because I have quite a stash of things that are not black and red because I used up all my black and red already. But I do find that I like myself best in sort of darker jewel tones. So I know there's like all the color theory weird stuff, but (laughs) I like those colors on me. For me, so as I stated before, I have worked on the color palette episode because I have been (laughs) working on color palettes, not working, it's just researching for myself on color palette for years. And when I discovered that the deep winter is my one, I actually discovered it because I looked at the deep, deep winter palette and I was like, oh, that's most of what I wear. And now I am trying to 
where colors that are on this palette that I haven't thought of before. Like I wear a lot of navies, I wear some like burgundy, black and white often. And on that color palette, there's some deep green, for example, some like pine green. And so I try to incorporate this more in my palette just in for the, for the sake of research. Hey, podcast listeners, looking for a way to support the Asian Solace Collective? Well, we have a great way for you to do that now, and we are excited to announce our first set of merch. We've launched a limited edition set of woven labels on our coffee page, so ko-fi.com slash Asian Solace Collective, and you can get a pack of five woven labels custom designed by our very own producer, Mariko, with some cute sayings from seasons one through three, like this was a panic sew, forgot to pre-wash, or made with fabric purchased while traveling. And they all have really cute designs on them that you should definitely go check out on our Instagram and on our coffee page. And to get your very own set of five labels, you will be supporting the podcast and helping us bring you new content and new guests week after week. So head to ko-fi.com slash Asian Sewist Collective. Special sewing machine story time. I think most listeners might know that I sew on a vintage machine, but basically I have cycled through many machines at this point, but my main machine right now is about 40, almost 50 years old. Her name is Nina. She's a vintage Bernina. And I found her at a creative reuse store. So I got her for about 200 bucks. She happened to be sewing in very good condition and she does seven stitches beautifully buttonholes not so not so beautiful but we tolerate them and I refuse to get a separate button thing and yeah I try to take good care of her I get her serviced and I oil her on a regular basis because she is like mostly metal inside there are a few plastic gears and it's from when they started using plastic but she is a sturdy sturdy girl I know Koss also has a special sewing machine do you want to share your sewing machine story time yeah so when i arrived to new zealand i started putting little listings on the equivalent of craigslist so in new zealand it's trade me and i would just type sewing and then just wait and see what's popped out and one day this crazy sewing machine from like the 50s 60s maybe it it looked it like it looks like a Cadillac. It's like blue and chrome and everything. And I was like, oh my God, this is so pretty. And the price was like $40. And I was like, I didn't think. I just bought it. And <laughs> then I had to pick it up. And I realized that the pickup was not in the city I was living in. It was like maybe an hour driving from where I used to live. And, and I didn't have a car. So I had to rent a car to go get my very cheap sewing machine to go get her. And so in the in the end, it's like a sewing machine that cost me like 120. And and it just sits there. I have not used it. Like I have tried <laughs> it. <laughs> I have tried it to see if it works and it does. And it's a bit like a bit noisy. So I'm like, I should probably just like it probably it probably works fine but i just want to have it serviced so i have like a clean uh clean slate plate um (laughs) 
And yeah, so my my dream is to use it only like, you know, when you're top stitching and you have like regular thread and top top stitching thread. My dream is to use it for top stitching because vintage machines are beautiful for straight stitch. And so like this, I don't have to change the thread so often in the sewing machine I use. So problem solved if anyone doesn't want to change their thread, just buy another machine. But make sure you rent a car to go get it. <laughs> so cost, speaking of how it looked like a blue Cadillac because it, it was like beautifully colored with chrome. I used to own a sewing machine that was also vintage and it was like a lilac color with chrome on it. And in the vintage groups, they have, you know, the, the vintage girls, they love doing the whole shebang down to the car. I saw someone with a lilac and chrome car and I was like, oh my God, did was this a thing? I think it was. Because I did some research and there would be people with like matching sewing machines to the matching car. So you are on to something that it looks oh like a vehicle. This is, this is who I should be. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember, it's funny because I remember when I was a kid, I loved like vintage American cars. And I would always tell my mom, when I'm, when I'm tall and strong, like I have a vintage Cadillac and my variation mom was like, yeah, how are you going to fix it when it breaks? Hmm? Get a normal car. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that is the car that I grew up with my dad driving because I think he had bought it like secondhand somehow. And it had this car made it across the country, multiple trips, like literally coast to coast, chrome, silver. But by the time we got to riding in it, like the AC was busted. Like there was no heat. It was old leather seats. So when the sun shone, like would in the summer, you would have to put towels down because you could not physically sit on the car. And she broke a lot. Like she was not a sturdy, reliable vehicle. And I think that is perhaps why a few years later, we said goodbye to that car. (laughs) Your mom was right, basically, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I have a fun fact about that machine that I will I will plug just because this is the Asian Sewist Collective podcast. So when I bought that machine, the brand was Morse, and I had never heard about that brand before. And I looked it up, and turns out um, it's what this brand used to buy a lot of Toyota sewing machines, and they would rebrand them and they would sell them mostly to like. Australian New Zealand, but also the US because it was a Japanese product and it would sell better if it wasn't a Japanese product. Wow. Yeah. I That's was, really interesting. I, I know. When I learned that, I was like, I never thought about this, but it makes a lot of sense. It's really sad, but it makes a lot of sense. And I love the way that you and Shailen described the colors. Shailen, when you said lilac, all of our faces were exactly the same. We were just all in awe. And it's kind of reminding me of the way that KitchenAid mixers can come in fun colors. And I don't bake successfully, but I'm like, I would love a KitchenAid, like just because they look so cool and a little bit retro. And when you get them in the different colors, it's awesome. And so now I'm like, if anyone ever releases, re-releases these candy color machines, I will be such a sucker for them. 
And when you mentioned costs that they Morse brand was uh, distributed in Australia, I, I think I'm going later this year. So now I'm like, oh, am I going to try to find one and bring one home? The plugs are different. The plugs are Aww. different. Ada. Yeah, I, I, I brought my American sewing machine to New Zealand and I had to buy a transformer. It's, it is not fun because the transformer is weighs more than the sewing machine. But if you buy a vintage sewing machine, the sewing machine will weigh more than the transformer. It will not be fun for you to bring back to the US, is what I'm saying. Okay, fine. I'll find one of the American distributed ones. Yeah. Okay, team. We have been working together as a team for four seasons, and I want to hear from each of you, what is your favorite thing about working on the podcast? We'll start with Esther. Uh, my favorite thing about working for the pod is the community. I think we have a really awesome team of people from around the world with different Asian diaspora heritage. And for me, working on the pod is a way, a very rewarding way, may I say, to examine and to connect with my identity as an Asian American, but also gives me the opportunity to learn more about various Asian cultures as I do research and produce episodes. And what about you, Mariko? I'll try not to make this too much of a long-winded answer, but when Ada and you, Nicole, both started this podcast, it kind of coincided with a time where I was at one of the most toxic jobs I was ever at. So I saw working with the podcast as kind of like an escape. I'm not pleased to admit that I worked on a lot of scripts, a lot of background stuff for the pod on you know my work time, but I really enjoyed it because everyone in everyone in this group kind of brings some sort of expertise to the table. And then we also trust each other to know what they're doing. So like, for instance, I came in and was completely new to production stuff and you all let me kind of jump in and suddenly have to teach the rest of the team how to produce. I've really had fun learning a bunch of new things and also getting to explore other areas of creativity that I've never done. So for instance, I created the sewing labels that we're selling on our coffee. And that was a lot of fun. You know, labels are small, but there's so much you can do with it. And it was also really enjoyable kind of digging back on our old episodes and getting some really great quotes from Ada and Nicole, like the whole, I I look good in gold and silver, or my pet is constantly interrupting me every episode. So that's a huge um, kind of long-winded answer. I think if I had to really boil it down, I'm very thankful that I've met everyone in this pod, a lot of very talented people. And I also thank all of you for giving me kind of secondhand, giving me that courage to leave my corporate job. I now do a webcomic where I draw silly crap about things that happen at people's workplaces. I don't think I would have had courage to do that had I not had the chance to work with the pod and have that all those successes there. I'm so grateful to work with you, Mariko. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. What about you, Shailen? I agree with um, Mariko. Like the whole having a community and being able to learn from other people who are experts in whatever they 
they are good at. It's completely different because sewing is it's such an individual hobby. So for me, I tend to stick with what I know or whatever shiny new thing interests me at the moment. And working with the pod, it sort of takes you out of that element when you either are reaching out to a guest speaker or just within the pod itself. Everything starts becoming like when you were a kid and everything was all brand new. That's what it feels like because you're no longer sitting in your room thinking, oh, how do I do this? Or let me just do this thing that I'm normally, I'm just good at this already. I'm not going to learn this new thing because I'm intimidated. And it, it makes things fun again, especially like, especially when you lose interest or you're just not inspired at the moment, just looking around and seeing what your friends are doing. It's, it's really great. I also loved hearing that you started working on bras because we talked about that in our team chat. So one last fun question for everyone. If you're not familiar with the concept of frosting or cake sewing, Love to Sew has a great episode on it. And I want to know, do you create more cake? So like everyday wear, like regular clothing or more frosting? So evening party wear, fun things. Serena, perhaps we should start with you. 100% cake, 100% cake. When am I going to a party? When? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Evening party wear? No, no. I did, okay, this is, I did knit like a sexy nighty last year. Does that count? Mm. Is that party wear? Yeah. I okay. think so. Oh, and, 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 and you know, I, I sent costs some knitted underpants this like two weeks ago. So, okay. Okay. Not a hundred percent cake. How about that? But that, that's not part, is that party? Sorry. It, that I'm depends like, on you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pants. not for me to answer. <laughs> Well, it's not really cake. These are funny words. I'm too old for these words. Carry on. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Mariko, frosting or cake? I was so confused at first because I don't eat cake every day. <laughs> um, I think I'm also 100% cake. I do, however, find that once in a blue moon, I'll have to go to a wedding or something and then realize I have nothing to wear. So, like, Even if I do make that frosting, it's really practical. Like the last time I went to an event, it was my cousin-in-law's wedding. And I made a Tencel um, Chris Wood Sews envelope dress. So it's kind of elevated, but also very straightforward. I do like, I get drawn towards, you know, complicated cake, if you can call it that. So like jean sewing is big. I'm trying to get into sewing a leather jacket and eventually I also want to make a big down jacket because I almost froze my butt off when I went to visit Europe in the winter because in SoCal it's perpetually warm and sunny and we never dress up. So there we go. Shailen? I would also say that I definitely make a lot of cake, but now that you have brought up the whole bra sewing thing I I feel like bras are more frosting like I just all the fabric I've bought for this project it's like like lacy and it's that's not that's not cake at all (laughs) 
but <laughs> but normally I I definitely I definitely make more cake, but I always plan and like design frosting. I just never have a reason to make like my koi pond dress, for example. <laughs> All right, and we will wrap it up with Cindy and then Koss. Considering that I primarily sew costumes, <laughs> I think that's a, about as frosting as it gets. Like it's it's even beyond the realm of party wear. It's like no one actually wears this in their in any kind of everyday life. But I do like to find costume pieces that I can work into my everyday life. You know, like using a hanfu top for a sort of like outer layer or you know, throwing in some cosplay belts into my wardrobe. But generally, um, in my first, I don't know, few years of sewing, I made enough cake to kind of last me. And so I don't really feel the need to make more cake because I'm still using those and I don't want to sew cake for the sake of having something new if my old cake is still working. For me, it's a bit tricky. I love silk in general. And so I, I want to to sew silk dresses often or silk pants mm-hmm. or blouses, but it's just not convenient in my everyday life because I have to like delicate wash them. And like when I wear them, they feel so precious that like I don't want to eat when I'm wearing them and stuff <laughs> like that. And also in the past few years, my body changed quite a bit and I desperately need cake. I desperately need pants like none of mm-hmm. my pants uh, fit me these days and I still need to to sew them but I I can't apparently I can't sew them like I just want to sew another silk dress instead of wearing pants to go to work <laughs> so <laughs> I, I guess I would say more frosting because definitely what I do is for like the joy of ma- of making and like this idea of like me wearing that like incredible garment I'm definitely not excited by like making work pants or t-shirts. I wonder if you had enough silk dresses, if they could become cake because you just have so many, it's, they're not precious anymore. That's true. Maybe I should just keep making them. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you listeners for joining us today. This is our season finale for season four. We're really glad you got to know our team a little bit better and hope you follow all of them on Instagram. Their profiles and makes will be linked in the show notes. We will be taking a break before releasing new episodes again. So to find out when we're back with new content, follow us on Instagram at Asian Sewist Collective. While we're away, don't forget to shop our coffee page. You can get your very own Asian Sewist Collective sew-in labels for your garments, quilts, bags, or wherever you want to put them. Your support is incredibly appreciated. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Asian Sewist Collective podcast. If you like our show, please consider supporting us on Coffee by becoming a one-time or monthly supporter or by buying our stickers and sewing labels. That's right, we have merch. Buy the labels, they are hilarious. Your financial support helps us with overhead expenses and will allow us to give back to our all-volunteer team who work so hard to provide you with new content each week. The link to our Coffee page is ko-fi.com slash Asian Sewist Collective, and you can find the link in our show notes on our website and on our Instagram account. Check us out on Instagram at Asian Sewist Collective. That's one word, Asian Sewist Collective. And you can also help us out by spreading the word and telling your friends. 
We would appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All of the links and resources mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes on our website. That's asiansewistcollective.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us with your questions, comments, or even voice messages if you want to be featured on future episodes at asiansewistcollective at gmail.com. This episode was brought to you by your co-hosts, Ada Chen and Nicole Angeline. This episode was produced by and edited by Serena Granger and Henry Wong. Thank you so much to the other members of our collective who made this week's episode a reality. This is the Asian Sewist Collective podcast, and we'll see you next week.